I couldn't go back to the job that I'd got because they didn't have things like job share or anything like that at the time. And so I was lost. I think you'll really like you. So I went down and auditioned really badly because I cho- not knowing what a monologue is meant to be about, I chose something that was totally nothing that I'd ever do, which was the role of Roxy out of um, Chicago. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us today. Um, We're going to be talking all about perseverance and never giving up and bearing that in mind when you're on your journey. You don't know where that journey is going to take you. And that is half of the fun of the rich tapestry of life. So I'm joined today by an international speaker, spiritual life coach and actor, Buxo. Buxo, hello and welcome to The Power of Storytelling. It's brilliant to have you with us. Hey, Nicola, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. And I think for me, I mean, a lot of people will recognise your face. You've been in Coronation Street, you've been in EastEnders, in Doctors and various other productions and like well-known things that everyone will be like, oh my gosh, yes, I know her. But actually for you, your journey, it didn't start till much later in life, did it? So Tell us a little bit about the journey that you have been on to get to where you are today. This isn't something I speak about much either as well, not even in my social media. I never think about it because when I was going through it, it kind of just like happened through reactionary stuff, you know. So I've always wanted to be on stage. When I was at uh, school, I was saying to my dad, I discovered my voice at 13 when I uh, sang the theme tune to the kids TV show, Why Don't You, from the 80s. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I can sing. I I like this feeling. Oh, that studio. That was nice. I want to do more of this. Going home, saying to my dad, first generation immigrant from India to the UK, hearing a daughter, middle child of six saying, dad, I want to be on stage. I want to be a singer. And him saying, be quiet, you and 20,000 others. Do you know what I mean? Because he didn't know what he didn't know, right? All he knew is he had a family of eight that he needed to feed. And so from there, I harbored this deep desire. I took my GCSEs, art, music, drama, all the creative topics, left school with zero qualifications, four Ds, two Es and two Fs, in which case that was a green light for my dad to say, right, you're not going to college or anything. You're going to come and help me in the family business. So that's what became my life from the age of 17 all the way through till 25. And I let that dream go. I let it go, put it to the back of the, you know, back of mind, just got on with life. Life got in the way. And I started my job in the railway at 25, met my now husband and twins came along. Life got in the way even more. At 37, I couldn't go back to the job that I'd got because they didn't have things like job share or anything like that at the time. And so I was lost. I'd got no qualifications to speak of. I didn't know what I could do. I didn't have anybody to turn to because the path that I'd chosen by marrying my husband, who's um, English, is Caucasian. The path that I took by marrying him 25 years ago uh, meant that I no longer was a part of my 
upbringing, my culture, everything I'd known up until that point. So I was literally on my own. And so I tended to become that little pinball in the machine that just reacted to life. Oh, this is happening. I'll go over here. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I'll have a look over there. There was never anything done with um, conviction or commitment or planning strategy. I do not like to plan. Even to this day, I really struggle to plan ahead. When people ask me if I can do something in three, six months, I'm like, mm, I'm struggling with that. I don't know. So it's really created this um, behavior within me. But kids are about seven. I was pondering, what shall I do? I quite fancy beauty therapy. So I qualified as a beauty therapist. And then a friend of mine contacted me one day and said, uh, I've been on set because he was a runner in a production company. He said, I've been on set today and there's a guy there. He's head of drama at Italia Conti Stage School. And he's just set up his own agency about six months ago. And I'm going to be going on to his books. But I told him about you, that you, because at the time I started doing background work. Because I thought, forget it, at least I'll be on set. I still want to do this acting thing. I know I can't possibly become one because I haven't been to drama school. I've got no qualifications. Doesn't matter. I'll just go on set as an extra in the background, which I did for a couple of years. And my mate knew this. And so he spoke to this guy and told him about it. He said, I've told him all about you. He says, uh, you know, come and meet him. I threw everything at the kitchen sink at it. I was like, I live in Derbyshire, you know. I am married. I've got kids, you know. I've got seven-year-old twins. Have you told him that? I haven't got any qualifications. I'm just throwing everything at it, sabotaging it, giving him every single reason to make sure that what he just said to me was actually true, valid. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I told him all of that. He's going to love you. I think he'll really like you. So I went down and auditioned really badly because I, not knowing what a monologue is meant to be about, I chose something that was totally nothing that I'd ever do, which was the role of Roxy out of um, Chicago. My legs are probably, uh, Roxy's legs are probably as tall as I am, to be honest. And here I was trying to play this role and uh, it just went to pot. I messed up my lines, but then he just picked it up and he said, do it like this. Now do that, like this, less of that, more of this. And he just quit fire things at me. He's given me direction, basically. And I know now, looking back as an actor, performer, if you can't do or give what the director wants, it doesn't matter how many years you've done at drama school, how many qualifications you've got, how many workshops you do. If you can't give the director what they want, you're wasting money. TikTok, you know, it's just money. You're wasting money. You can't deliver what they want. And so it took me on, basically. And that was 14 years ago. And my first role was after three months. And that was Corrie as the registrar that married Tony and Carla. Because everybody says, oh, what a speaking part. Because I speak about the <laughs> being an extra. And that, that just sticks in their mind. It's like, yes, a speaking role. Because as a walk-on extra, you do get speaking parts. So people assume that's that's not an actor. And uh, it's interesting because there is a need to differentiate the two because people say, what, like a war, sport, like background? No, that's not an actor. When I say I'm an actor, an actor delivers lines, a lot of them, and is part of a scene and part of the story. They're not someone that's just passing somebody a piece of paper and saying, here you go, Dr. Smith. That's somebody that's been upgraded from being a walk-on, a background to walk-on. Not that I'm getting precious about it at any way, shape or form, but this is what a lot of the problem is with the industry. A lot of stuff that's being um, misused, but not, not clear communication. So that was the first gig that I had on Curry. But so you're 37, you've gone from literally overnight not knowing what you want to do, and then you're on one of the UK's best loved ongoing soap operas in Coronation Street. That's huge. Surely that the mind monkeys must have been at play. Me and imposter syndrome are like the best friends. It might be, you might think it's your best mate, but no, we were besties. We are besties way before anybody else. Because when I got, because I'd got the mentality 
And this is what it is when it comes to mindset, which I really do, which I work with people on. When you go into a space and place that you are feeling strongly, I don't belong here. Even though I got the gig, you know, I've done my job. I've learned the lines. I've done the scene. I've gone for an audition. And I got the gig based on my merits. The overarching theme in your mind is you haven't done any qualifications. You are in this space. They, ooh, somebody's going to find out. You haven't got this because you went to drama school. And so when it came to doing the scenes and whatnot, I'd be very like anything that went like if the director says cut and it had been a scene that I'd done, I made it my problem. Was that because of me? Is it something I did? The innocence, the naivety that I had. And the other actor, no, no, no. It was If it was you, the director would, it would tell you. And I just had this constantly in my background. I was always like fearful of thinking that anything was my fault or that I messed up because, well, you haven't got a qualification. So even when it came to, okay, but so uh, this is where the cast, uh, the uh, main actors that will sit in that Winnebago. So when you're ready, grab yourself a drink and just go and take a, a seat in there. No, I went and sat in with the extras. Because that's where I felt safe. That's where I felt comfortable. That's what was familiar. And I loved it because I know what it is to be an extra. And I see the behaviour of how they're treated. Some of them deserve it because they need to just know when to stop talking. But I didn't ever want to become that person, that actor. I always connect with the extras, always. But see, this, I mean, this makes me really happy because I always think when you walk into any situation, you treat everyone how you would want to be treated so I always talk about the fact that there when I used to work in TV and TV publicity we we moved offices one of the chaps downstairs in the mail room was called Alan and me and Alan used to get on really well because I used to give him the time of day and find out how he was and what he was up to and all of this kind of stuff and everyone was like you're always talking to Alan. Now, like, you know, the thing was, and I was the same with the cleaners as well, because it's so important to do that. So I'm re- that really makes me happy that you were not sitting in a, you know, a smart Winnebago with all the actors because you had broken through, but you were actually with the guys on the coalface because you understood where they'd come from. Exactly. How do you get, I mean, I know that this is what you teach people now. How do you get to that point where not only do you want to be as inclusive as possible, because that's hugely important in any walk of life, but that you could actually straddle both groups so that you feel comfortable, even though there's that, like, you know, you can just knock that imposter syndrome off of your shoulder. Well, do you know something? When the imposter syndrome left when in 2017, it took nearly 10 years when I landed the role in Aladdin, the film, the feature film Aladdin. And singing is my first love. It really is. And I had to do the audition on tape on, a, on my phone. Never seen Aladdin, even, even though I've got twins. Uh, I'd never watched it and I'd never really heard the song that I, so I had to play the song and learn the song quickly and the line that I need to deliver. Sent it off and didn't hear anything for two weeks and then got the gig. And when I was on the gig, I spoke to the young lad that was assisting the musical director and I said to him, why, why me? You know, because you don't ever get a chance to ask this on set. You never say to the casting director or the director, say, yeah, me, why did you pick me? Because it's just like, comes across as egotistical. But in that moment, I was like, my God, Guy Ritchie, you know, directing, how, how did I get on this bloody set? You know, and I spoke to the guy and he says, well, we had the auditions come through and we picked six and we sent them to Guy 
uh, with a recommendation that they go for you. And I was like, in my in, in my mind, I was thinking, oh my God, they picked me. And, you know, and he went to him. I was like, is that how it's done? He's like, yeah. And from that moment, I got a belief in myself. In that moment, it just landed. It was like, they wanted me. They always want you, but you never know if you're the first choice. But they wanted me. I was the first choice. And I know some t- it's easy to go through life thinking, you know, stop looking for validation externally. It's, it, there are certain times where you just need it once, I think. Just that one time with just got some weight to it. I wasn't coming from ego. I genuinely was. Oh my gosh. How did you, how did this happen? A girl from Stoke that's got no qualifications that is like, just got introduced to this guy. How does that happen? You know? And I'm only, I don't even look in the rear view often enough, you know? So when you ask me these questions, I'm actually answering them for the first time because I don't spend a lot of time looking back. I'm just so grateful in every single way. And that's the key thing, Nicola, is you ask me there, how do you straddle it? It's gratitude. It's just being grateful and never forgetting the magnitude of the situation that you are in. You know, we take it for granted because it's easy to lose touch. And we lose touch because we are so enmeshed in our own issues and problems and make everything about us like I was doing. I was making, oh, it's because of me, you know. And it, oh, it's because of me. When you say that, it makes you feel like this. We make everything about ourselves. And you, you don't do that anymore. Just stop doing that. Stop making the world and the problems and scenarios, people, places and things, stop making it about yourself. Just start being grateful for the scenarios that you are presented with and have the the uh, the the luxury, the joy of being involved in. What was that like for you? Because I, I loved that was the moment where you got that self-belief. But I mean, Guy Ritchie's a legend. Like his films, like I love Snatch and Lockstock oh, yeah. and all of those. And I would, have, I, I think I probably, it, I, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities over over the years and things like that. But even like, there are some people that you just be like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm gonna have to just get my head straight about what I'm gonna say and everything. What was that like for you when you got that belief? that being on set, did you feel a sense of creative freedom? Because then you've not that imposter syndrome off your shoulder and you're kind of like, now I can just go for it. Do you know what? I didn't get it straight away after that. I didn't get it immediately. It's only really happened since uh, 2000, since I had a huge, my life just took a 180 after my dad passed in January 2020. And we didn't have a great relationship, like I say, because I married out of my culture. So for the last 25 years, we've been quite disconnected. So I was massively impacted with this passing and I didn't know why. So it brought up a load of questions. And as a spiritual sort of practitioner that I am, I was a bit confused as to why I was coming out with all of these questions. And I had to go deeper inside myself and answer these questions. And basically, it all became a thing where I realized I spent these last 25 years trying to prove myself to my dad. And now that he wasn't here anymore, why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I still want to be an actor? Do I still want to go here and do that and do these things? But actually, I was ready to give it up. I said to my agent, I said, you know what? My life, it, this this isn't feeding me anymore. I'm, I'm tired of this industry and the vacuous nature of the people that are in it that walk around full of trauma and not prepared to do a thing about it, yet impose that on you and make you and other people in the industry that are coming out of drama school, these young kids that are given no support mentally when they leave. They have it all at drama school. They're filled with rubbish and hot air blown up the backside and they get out there and they've got these impressions and 10 years later they leave because of the fact that nobody talks to them about dealing with their stuff that's going on inside them. So for me, I realised in that moment, I'm ready to give all of this up. 
whatever all of this is. I mean, it's not like I was A-list or anything, but I was ready to just let all of this side of my life go. And I said so much, as much to my agent. And he said, I understand where you're coming from. He said, but I'm not going to accept your resignation. And uh, so by all means, take a year out. Because I said, I'm just going to get a job. I'm just going to get paid regularly and know when money's coming. I just want to know where I am. We had so much dysfunction, didn't we, after lockdown? And that just brought about this whole, everything thrown up in the air and landed. I thought I'd already had that in my life, but this was next level. And I knew in that moment, this is my spiritual awakening. This was a part of me that really could not go back. Like people talk about being too far down the road. I, I couldn't even see the road I've been on. So this is, just to clarify, this is 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is when I came full circle and was like, what am I doing? Am I carrying on with the acting? Why am I carrying on with it? What am I prepared to put up with? What am I about to tolerate and sacrifice? Okay, none. So I said, and now I say, no, if my agent says, oh, there's an audition here, do you want to go for No, I'm going to leave this, thank you. Before, I'd never have said that. I'd have been, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. You know, if somebody's making plans, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Book, so what about this event that we're going to, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, I can be there. I'll be there tomorrow. I'll drop everything in my life and I'll be there tomorrow. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just not doing it because you know what? I'm a massive believer of that. What is meant for you will never pass you by. It just can't. It won't. It just won't. It didn't for you because that's the thing. You like that perseverance and like it's almost like it, it, it was something else that was persevering after you because it took you till 37 to get that break. But it, it kind of fast tracked you right in at the top because th- like I I've never heard of anyone just suddenly ending up with the first ever piece like they end up on Coronation Street like that is amazing to have done that but then it's it's as if it was like the universe telling you right this is what you're meant to be doing and at this point so you're you're kind of like questioning everything. I love the fact that your agent refused to take your resignation. Uh, genius, by the way. And then you go off. Do you then start training as a life coach? Is that the path that you went down? So in 2017, I did my qualification and did nothing with it. But I did it because I knew what imposter syndrome was about. I didn't want to not have a not qualified qualification again. Right. So I did it. I was giving people advice anyway in life and generally and whatnot. And I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to get a qualification for this. And then I've got one. You know, the intention wasn't to do live coaching per se in 2017, but I'm glad I did do it. I wish I'd built it up because I probably would have had clients in lockdown. But again, everything happens in divine timing, exactly how it's supposed to happen. And so that's why I did that. But with the lockdown and the luxury of lockdown, I'd never, ever asked for help in life, ever. Because as far as I was concerned, beating myself up was the best thing you could do. We do it really well. I picked this path. So you better suck it up, buttercup, and get that stuff done. So I didn't even think that I could ask for help because you wanted this, didn't you? So off you trot. So I started looking at coaches and people out there and had the luxury of being able to see it, you know, and the money that was coming in from the grants helped me to do that. So I used that money for the first time in my life. And that's only because my dad passed. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Time became and is still a huge thing for me now. It's one of my core values at the top. What am I doing with my time? How am I spending it? Who am I spending it with? If this is the last day that I ever had, have I spent it with the people that I wanted to? So, you know, when it comes to people, place and things, saying no, I've never had a problem with it. But saying no is so much easier. And it's not from irritation, anger, annoyance. It's from love. It's just love for myself and who I actually am and how I contribute to this world. 
and my time, you know, because I'm never going to get that back ever, ever. And I think more people need to recognize that perseverance is great, but you've also got to be prepared to sacrifice. What are you prepared to let go of? I sacrificed money. I've never had any in the last 25 years. My husband's ran the household after the twins, uh, you know, came along. I didn't go to work. So, and I've been part-time more of my life than I haven't. So when people talk about being unemployable, I really am now because I know who the hell I am. And the person that takes me on or has me in their workplace better be ready for the energy that I bring, you know, because it's scary for a lot of people. Trauma, trauma, trauma you know, people of trauma will see me as a threat and make me wrong and make what I say wrong and what I do wrong. This is what people do when they see you bringing energy, light, high vibes. They have to make you wrong because it makes them feel like they're not doing things with their life. Last month, I saw you talk on stage at Be Inspired. Like we we kind of like we've been in the same circles for, for a while, but we hadn't had a chance to properly connect. But your talk and talking about the fact that we all have a diamond within, we all have a gift within us, that really struck a chord with me. Tell me a little bit about that and why you think that's so important to recognize that as you're going through life. Yeah, my gosh. When you realize that um, this is what makes me, reminds me how connected we are to the planet, the, the the cosmos, everything, this universe, we have in our muscles the same stuff that's been found in meteors out in the desert. Do you know what I mean? We have the same substance in our body that is raining on planets, carbon. We have three grams of carbon in our bones when we die around that much, which is taken into a lab and made into a diamond after 10 months. You know, why would you wait until you die in order to shine and have somebody wear you around your, their neck? and shining brilliantly from that point of view why aren't you showing up now polishing up the many facets that you keep hidden like a diamond is in the in the mine it's you know has to be extracted why don't we extract ourselves so we can polish up those sides of ourselves and show up in in ways and places so expansively that you know you're living your life to the maximum you know people talk about living life to the full this is what it is you know this is what it's about it's like being unapologetic not from fear or anger but from love because you've done your healing your heart is operating exactly how it's meant to do you know what i mean and exactly how it's supposed to be operating not from low level energy jealousy dread lack um sadness you know a lot so many people are operating from sadness right now it's, it's, and it's not fair because this isn't what you were meant to do. This isn't why you came to this planet. You know, we all, our job is to remember who we are and we can only do that by healing the trauma. And that's what's happened for me. It's like, oh my gosh, I get why I'm here. I get what I've got to do. I've got to heal from my stuff so that the generations going forward, like my kids, don't have to carry on the stuff that I brought from my generation, you know? And they'll go, no wonder. People talk at kid, look at kids and say, oh, look at that, five years old. Look at what they're doing now. Aren't they bloody clever? It's like they're supposed to. We're supposed to evolve as beings spiritually. We're supposed to come here more evolved. And this is what we choose for ourselves. I'm not going to get too deep on that topic, but it is a it is a huge topic. And I live my life from it. And I invite everybody else to start investigating that. Please, you, you are not this meat suit. You're not your thoughts, your feelings your emotions, you're not that. You're just this thing, this meat suit is just hosting your soul and your spirit. It's like a car. You just chose to jump into this one. Do you know what I mean? And travel around this thing called earth. 
So make sure that you're doing it to the best of your ability and do not worry about it because you know what? This is a game. All of this, this thing we do when we go up and put makeup on, it's a stage. It's life is a game. You're going out here and he said that, she said this. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Doesn't matter because guess what? We're all going to die. You know, sorry, we're all going to die one day. We don't talk about it, but I think it's time we did. And that's a big thing that I want to do is talk about the fact that guys, and I've never felt it so much. Now I'm 50. My dad was 74 when he passed. If I have got 24 years left on the planet, I know how fast the last 25 have gone with the kids and my husband married. Blink of an eye. What am I doing with the next 24 years? Because that ain't long. I've got less time left on the planet than I've had already. Yeah, definitely. And I think there is so much to that. Live your life to the fullest and also tap in and find your true potential. That is everything. If you can find that thing that lights you up, there's a reason that that lights you up. I'm a firm believer in that. It's almost like that is what you're meant to be doing. Yeah, that's your message, right? That's it. When you're doing something from passion, that is your purpose. When people say, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. But what are you passionate about? don't really know. Because that's what the problem is. Like I talked about the sparkle effect. Sparkle stands for self-awareness, purpose, authenticity, resilience, know yourself, leadership and embodiment. Nobody actually knows themselves. I shared a post on my social media the other day. Um, I haven't met all of me yet. Do you know what I mean? I still haven't met all of me yet. And I realized that, oh my gosh, now I, my eyes are wide open. I'm aware and I know what I know. It's like, who am I? Who is Bookso? Who is this person? I know what she likes to do. I know what my, it's what makes me feel good. What makes me feel full? What makes me feel alive? That's who I am. I haven't got an identity, you know? If people say, oh, I'm just like my dad. Oh, this is me. I was like, my mum was like this as well. They take it with pride. It's like, you're not though. You're not like your mum. You know, oh gosh, my dad's diabetic. My mum is, we're all going to be bloody diabetic, pumping the, you know, crisps down and whatnot. If your thoughts are so powerful, you don't have to have that as your truth. People are so, I'm going to say it, lazy. People are lazy. Nobody wants to take responsibility. And that's my MO now. That's the ethos. And I will happily, when you release the attachment to an outcome, life is just like sweet. I tell you, people come up to me, you know, want to work with me. And I ask them those pertinent questions. And if I, you know what, we're going to have problems because you're not going to do the work. So I'm not going to work with you. You know, I'm not for you. I will get, you can go. I have no attachment to that need for a client or need for uh, a need for anything because I'm just going to be this all the time. I'm going to be this level. I'm going to be at this vibration, if not higher, every single time. And that feels good. You're amazing. I think the thing for me, number one, I can see why you do so well as an international speaker because you're so engaging and you get people really thinking about actually, yeah, that's right. You know, we do need to fulfill our potential. We do need to take action and be open to the outcomes and, and what could appear before us. I've got a saying on my wall and it says, always believe that something amazing is about to happen. And I think that sums up your journey to a T. Buck, so it's been so great having you on The Power of Storytelling with us today. If someone would like to connect with you, where can they find you? So as uh, my name, Buckso DW, so that's B-U-C-K-S-O, D-W, literally across all platforms. If you put that in, I'm on that uh, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, not so much LinkedIn, 
maybe that'll change or maybe it won't and I'm okay with that <laughs> but yeah please connect with me and tell me that you heard me here and what's next for you so I'm going to declare it now actually uh, so that everybody listening to this can hold me in that light as well because as a collective when we put our minds to the same thing miracles happen I'm going to be submitting my book proposal to Hay House I want to be, in fact, I am a Hay House author. I'm saying it now. And my book is going to be called Dying to Shine. What the F are you waiting for? Because really, that's the question I want to leave with everybody. What is it that you're waiting for? Validation? Evidence? Permission? I give you all of that now. Take it because you may not be here next week. I love that so much as a message. What are you waiting for? If you know that you need to be seen in a bigger way if you're thinking about PR and you're not sure whether or not to do PR but you're kind of like how ready am I don't forget you can try our free quiz pr-quiz.com Buck so it's been brilliant to have you with us today 